Chapter Two, Part Two of the Prairie Traveller. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Prairie Traveller by Randolph B. Marcy. Chapter Two, Part Two. Selection of Camp. Sanitary Conditions. Doctor Jackson's Report. Picket Guards. Stampedes. How to Prevent Them. Corralling Wagons. Selection of Camps. The security of animals, and indeed the general safety of a party, in travelling through a country occupied by hostile Indians, depends greatly upon the judicious selection of camps. One of the most important considerations that should influence the choice of a locality is its capability for defence. If the camp be pitched beside a stream, a concave bend, where the water is deep, with a soft alluvial bed enclosed by high and abrupt banks, will be the most defensible, and all the more should the concavity form a peninsula. The advantages of such a position are obvious to a soldier's eye, as that part of the encampment enclosed by the stream is naturally secure and leaves only one side to be defended. The concavity of the bend will enable the defending party to cross its fire in case of attack from the exposed side. The bend of the stream will also form an excellent corral in which to secure animals from a stampede, and thereby diminish the number of sentinels needful around the camp. In herding animals at night within the bend of a stream, a spot should be selected where no clumps of brush grow on the side where the animals are posted. If thickets of brush cannot be avoided, sentinels should be placed near them to guard against Indians, who might take advantage of this cover to steal animals or shoot them down with arrows before their presence were known. In camping away from streams, it is advisable to select a position in which one or more sides of the encampment shall rest upon the crest of an abrupt hill or bluff. The prairie Indians make their camps upon the summits of the hills, whence they can see in all directions, and thus avoid a surprise. The line of tents should be pitched on that side of the camp most exposed to attack, and sentinels so posted that they may give alarm in time for the main body to rally and prepare for defense. Sanitary Considerations When camping near rivers and lakes surrounded by large bodies of timber and a luxuriant vegetation, which produces a great amount of decomposition and consequent exhalation of malaria, it is important to ascertain what localities will be the least likely to generate disease and to affect the sanitary condition of men occupying them. This subject has been thoroughly examined by Dr. Robert Johnson, Inspector General of Hospitals in the English Army in 1845, and, as his conclusions are deduced from an enlarged experience and extended research, they should have great weight. I shall therefore make no apology for introducing here a few extracts from his interesting report touching upon this subject. It is consonant with the experience of military people, in all ages and in all countries, that camp diseases most abound near the muddy banks of large rivers, near swamps and ponds, and on grounds which have been recently stripped of their woods. The fact is precise, but it has been set aside to make way for an opinion. It was assumed about half a century since, by a celebrated army physician, that camp diseases originated from causes of putrefaction, and that putrefaction is connected radically with a stagnant condition of the air. As streams of air usually proceed along rivers with more certainty and force than in other places, and as there is evidently a more certain movement of air, that is, more wind on open ground, than among woods and thickets, this sole consideration, without any regard to experience, influenced opinion, gave currency to the destructive maxim that the banks of rivers, open grounds, and exposed heights are the most eligible situations for encampment of troops. They are the best ventilated. They must, if the theory be true, be the most healthy. 
the fact is the reverse but demonstrative as the fact may be fashion has more influence than multiplied examples of fact experimentally proved encampments are still formed in the vicinity of swamps or on grounds which are newly cleared of their woods in obedience to theory and contrary to fact it is prudent as now said in selecting ground for encampment to avoid the immediate vicinity of swamps and rivers the air is there noxious but as its influence thence originating does not extend beyond a certain limit it is a matter of some importance to ascertain to what distance it does extend because if circumstances do not permit that the encampment be removed out of its reach prudence directs that remedies be applied to weaken the force of its pernicious impressions the remedies consist in the interposition of rising grounds woods or such other impediments as serve to break the current in its progress from the noxious source it is an obvious fact that the noxious cause or the exhalation in which it is enveloped ascends as it traverses the adjacent plain and that its impression is augmented by the adventitious force with which it strikes upon the subject of its action it is thus that a position of three hundred paces from the margin of a swamp on a level with the swamp itself or but moderately elevated is less unhealthy than one at six hundred on the same line of direction on an exposed height the cause here strikes fully in its ascent and as the atmosphere has a more varied temperature and the successions of the air are more irregular on the height than on the plain the impression is more forcible and the noxious effects more strongly marked in accord with this principle it is almost uniformly true ceteris paribus that diseases are more common at least more violent in broken irregular and hilly countries where the temperature is liable to sudden changes and where blasts descend with the fury from the mountains than in large and extensive inclined plains under the action of equal and gentle breezes only from this fact it becomes an object of the first consideration in selecting ground for encampment to guard against the impression of strong winds on their own account independently of their proceeding from swamps rivers and noxious soils it is proved by experience in armies as in civil life that injury does not often result from simple wetting with rain when the person is fairly exposed in the open air and habitually inured to the contingencies of weather irregular troops which act in the advanced line of armies and which have no other shelter from weather than a hedge or tree rarely experience sickness never at least the sickness which proceeds from contagion hence it is inferred that the shelter of tents is not necessary for the preservation of health irregular troops with contingent shelter only are comparatively healthy while sickness often rages with violence in the same scene among those who have all the protection against the inclemencies of weather which can be furnished by canvas the fact is verified by experience and the cause of it is not of difficult explanation when the earth is damp the action of heat on its surface occasions the interior moisture to ascend the heat of the bodies of a given number of men confined within a tent of a given dimension raises the temperatures within the tent beyond the temperature of the common air outside the tent the ascent of moisture is thus encouraged generally by a change of temperature in the tent and more particularly by the immediate or near contact of the heated bodies of the men with the surface of the earth moisture as exhaled from the earth is considered by observers of fact to be a cause which acts injuriously on health produced artificially by the accumulation of individuals in close tents it may reasonably be supposed to produce its usual effects on armies a cause of contagious influence of fatal effect is thus generated by accumulating soldiers in close and crowded tents under the pretext of defending them from the inclemencies of the weather and hence it is that the means which are provided for the preservation of health are actually the cause of destruction of life 
there are two causes which more evidently act upon the health of troops in the field than any other namely moisture exhaled direct from the surface of the earth in undue quantity and emanations of a peculiar character arising from diseased action in the animal system in a mass of men crowded together these are principal and they are important the noxious effects may be obviated or rather the noxious cause will not be generated under the following arrangement namely a carpet of painted canvas for the floor of the tent a tent with a light roof as defence against perpendicular rain or the rays of a vertical sun and with side walls of moderate height to be employed only against driving rains to the first there can be no objection it is useful as preventing the exhalations of moisture from the surface of the earth it is convenient as always ready and it is economical as less expensive than straw it requires to be freshly painted only once a year the effect of crowding men together in close quarters illy ventilated was shown in the prisons of hindostan where at one time when the english held sway they had on average forty thousand natives in confinement and this unfortunate population was every year liberated by death in proportions varying from four thousand to ten thousand the annual average mortality by crowded and unventilated barracks in the english army has sometimes been enormous as at barrackpore where it seldom fell far short of one-tenth that is to say its garrisons were every year decimated by fever or cholera while the officers and other inhabitants who lived in well-ventilated houses did not find the place particularly unhealthy the same fact of general exemption among the officers and complete exemption among their wives was observed in the marching regiments which lost by cholera from one-tenth to one-sixth of the enlisted men who were packed together at night ten and twelve in a tent with the thermometer at ninety-six degrees the dimensions of the celebrated black hole of calcutta where in seventeen fifty six one hundred and twenty three prisoners out of one hundred and forty died by carbonic acid in one night was but eighteen feet square and with but two small windows most of the twenty-three who survived until morning were seized with putrid fever and died very soon afterward on the first of december eighteen forty eight one hundred and fifty deck passengers of the steamer londonderry were ordered below by the captain and the hatches closed upon them seventy were found dead the next morning the streams which intersect our great prairies have but very sparse growth of wood or vegetation upon their banks so that one of the fundamental causes for the generation of noxious malaria does not to any great extent exist here and i believe that persons may encamp with impunity directly upon their banks picket guards when a party is sufficiently strong a picket guard should be stationed during the night some two or three hundred yards in advance of the point which is most open to assault and on low ground so that an enemy approaching over surrounding higher country can be seen against the sky while the sentinel himself is screened from observation these sentinels should not be allowed to keep fires unless they are so placed that they cannot be seen from a distance during the day the pickets should be posted on the summits of the highest eminences in the vicinity of camp with instructions to keep a vigilant lookout in all directions and if not within hailing distance they should be instructed to give some well-understood telegraphic signal to inform those in camp when there is danger for example should indians be discovered approaching at a great distance they may raise their caps upon the muzzles of their pieces and at the same time walk around in a circle while if the indians are near and moving rapidly the sentinel may swing his cap and run around rapidly in a circle to indicate the direction from which the indians are approaching he may direct his piece towards them and walk in the same line of direction should the pickets suddenly discover a party of indians very near and with the apparent intention of making an attack they should fire their pieces to give the alarm to the camp 
these telegraphic signals when well understood and enforced will tend greatly to facilitate the communication of intelligence throughout the camp and conduce much to its security the picket guards should receive minute and strict orders regarding their duties under all circumstances and these orders should be distinctly understood by every one in the camp so that no false alarms will be created all persons with the exception of the guards and herders should after dark be confined to the limits of the chain of sentinels so that if any one is seen approaching from without these limits it will be known that they are strangers as there will not often be occasion for any one to pass the chain of pickets during the night it is a good rule especially if the party is small when a picket sentinel discovers any one lurking about his post from without if he has not himself been seen to quietly withdraw and report the fact to the commander who can wake his men and make his arrangements to repel an attack and protect his animals if however the man upon the picket has been seen he should distinctly challenge the approaching party and if he receives no answer fire and retreat to camp to report the fact it is of utmost importance that the picket guards should be wide awake and allow nothing to escape their observation as the safety of the whole camp is involved during a dark night a man can see better himself and is less exposed to the view of others when in a sitting posture than when standing up or moving about i would therefore recommend this practice for night pickets horses and mules especially the latter whose senses of hearing and smelling are probably more acute than those of almost any other animals will discover anything strange or unusual about camp much sooner than a man they indicate this by turning in the direction from whence the object is approaching holding their heads erect projecting their ears forward and standing in a fixed and attentive attitude they exhibit the same signs of alarm when a wolf or other wild animal approaches at camp but it is always wise when they show fear in this manner to be on the alert till the cause is ascertained mules are very keenly sensitive to danger and in passing along over the prairies they will often detect the proximity of strangers long before they are discovered by their riders nothing seems to escape their observation and i have heard of several instances where they have given timely notice of the approach of hostile indians and thus prevented stampedes dogs are sometimes good sentinels but they often sleep sound and are not easily awakened on the approach of an enemy in marching with large force unless there is a guide who knows the country a small party should always be sent in advance to search for good camping-places and these parties should be dispatched early enough to return and meet the main command in the event of not finding a camping-place within the limits of the day's march a regiment should average upon the prairies where the roads are good about eighteen miles a day but if necessary can make twenty-five or even thirty miles the advance party should therefore go as far as the command can march provided the requisites for camping are not found within that distance the article of first importance in campaigning is grass, the next water, and the last fuel. It is the practice of most persons traveling with large ox trains to select their camps upon the summit of a hill, where the surrounding country in all directions can be seen. Their cattle are then continually within view from the camp and can be guarded easily. When a halt is made, the wagons are corralled, as it is called, by bringing the two front ones near and parallel to each other, the next two are then driven up on the outside of these, with the front wheels of the former touching the rear wheels of the latter. The rear of the wagons turned out upon the circumference of the circle that is being formed, and so on until one half the circle is made, when the rear of the wagons are turned in to complete the circle. An opening of about twenty yards should be left between the last two wagons for animals to pass in and out of the corral, and this may be closed with two ropes stretched between the wagons such a corral forms an excellent and secure barricade against indian attacks and a good enclosure for cattle while they are being yoked indeed it is indispensable stampedes 
enclosures are made in the same manner for horses and mules and in case of an attempt to stampede them they should be driven with all possible dispatch into the corral where they will be perfectly secure a stampede is more to be dreaded upon the plains than almost any disaster that can happen it not unfrequently occurs that very many animals are irretrievably lost in this way and the object of an expedition thus defeated the indians are perfectly familiar with the habits and disposition of horses and mules and with the most effectual methods of terrifying them previous to attempting a stampede they provide themselves with rattles and other means for making frightful noises thus prepared they approach as near the herds as possible without being seen and suddenly with their horses at full speed rush in among them making the most hideous and unearthly screams and noises to terrify them and drive them off before their astonished owners are able to rally and secure them as soon as the animals are started the indians divide their party leaving a portion to hurry them off rapidly while the rest linger some distance in the rear to resist those who may pursue them horses and mules will sometimes especially in the night become frightened and stampeded from very slight causes a wolf or a deer passing through a herd will often alarm them and cause them to break away in the most frantic manner upon one occasion in the choctaw country my entire herd of about two hundred horses and mules all stampeded in the night and scattered over the country for many miles and it was several days before i succeeded in collecting them together the alarm occurred while the herders were walking among the animals and without any perceptible cause the foregoing facts go to show how important it is at all times to keep a vigilant guard over animals in the vicinity of hostile indians where an attack may be anticipated several good horses should be secured in such positions that they will continually be in readiness for an emergency of this kind the herdsmen should have their horses in hand saddled and bridled and ready at an instant's notice to spring upon their backs and drive the herds into camp as soon as it is discovered that the animals have taken fright the herdsmen should use their utmost endeavours to turn them in the direction of the camp and this can generally be accomplished by riding the bell-mare in front of the herd and gradually turning her toward it and slackening her speed as the familiar objects about the camp come in sight this usually tends to quiet their alarm End of chapter 2, part 2